Welcome to the Live Lightly Podcast. Awareness to integration to elevation. Sue and Dan open intimate and complex spaces together, discussing integration from physical, emotional, and spiritual levels. Expect conversations that are honest, expansive, and solution-oriented. Everything from consciousness design to biohacking to socio-political deep dives. Creative works and building a new paradigm in relationship through daily choices. Check out the show notes for more info about Sue and Dan, plus our guests. Hello, and welcome to this week's Live Lightly podcast, and it's a solo cast with me, Sue. (laughs) I thought I would just press record and riff on it for a bit about the process of transitory nature, breaking binaries for integrated being, and a little bit of the -the behind-the-scenes effort that it took to bird the book, why I wrote it, and how it's doing out in the world, and how my identity is moving on after it found its own form out in the world, which I think is often a place that most creatives don't spend a lot of time discussing in public, and the death process of really all that was that led into transitory nature, and putting the entire manuscript together and bringing it to press, and how it is working on a project behind the scenes that no one sees, and you have a totally different forward-facing view or persona or public persona that is actually work from maybe six or seven years ago when you're really in the gestation period of creation and what that looks like and how to live ethically when keeping something in private and waiting to put it in public. I also wanted to talk a little bit about the economic strategy around transitory nature and chapters four and five, pranic economy and elevated capacity, and really the order in which I wrote the chapters, and they I didn't write them in the order that they appear in the book, and why it rolled out that way, and a little bit about degrowth and expectations as an artist or a creative or a writer or a teacher or an entrepreneur that are in line with um, ethical and ecological law and needs and demands and renewable resources and non-renewable resources and also looking at your own creativity as something that has an expiration date given a specific context and or a project. So I'm going to go ahead and just read the back of Transitory Nature so that we're all on the same page, what this body of work is, And why binary thinking became such an interest to me really subconsciously 10 years ago because I was very interested in non-dualism and uh, Vedanta and a lot of different Buddhist lineages that really have a didactic debate between dualistic views and non-dualistic views and is there a soul? And so it really starts, you know, begging each of us to ask the question of self-identity and how it formulates and then how self-identity and our perception of our own identity actually separates us from the thing that we're perceiving. And so that became a big philosophical discussion for me really on, really early on in my spiritual path. And then 
gender identity became a very interesting topic to me about four or five years ago. And I really started writing the manuscript on gender identity. And that was the first chapter that I wrote. And that was really what I was shopping around to editors and publishing houses and acquisitions editors and agents. And then Transitory Nature was born right out of really looking at non-dualism and gender identity. So I'm going to go ahead and read the back of the book. Human consciousness has evolved over many hundreds of thousands of years. We are now approaching the end of what has been called mental rational consciousness, and the next integral mutation is beginning to emerge. This book is an impressively conceived, powerful guide to that entirely new way of seeing and being in the world, the next step in the realization of authentic Western yoga. Richard Rosen With transitory nature, radical Buddhist and spiritual guide Sue Hunt walks readers through a nine-month consciousness design process to dismantle binary worldview and discover a more contemplative vision of self and reality. Binary worldview, the thinking that everything we encounter is either this or that, is the root cause of so much suffering, oppression, and inner and outer conflict in our world. Often the polarization we see in the wider social structure is a projection of the same binary schisms that live within each of us. Now combining elements of Buddhism and yogic philosophy with a step-by-step constructive method, Sue invites us to fully embody the both-and mentality that is the foundation of a more ethical life. This is an ultra-progressive movement. We are all being tasked with finding new ways of being and living together. With rigorous attention and loving care, transitory nature offers up a new vernacular to describe where we are headed as conscious individuals who are walking this path together. Okay, great. So that's just a tiny, tiny synopsis of the full nine-month consciousness design process. And consciousness design process is actually a word, words that I coined describing what it's really like building new pranic structures in your body-mind relationship and how to do that in an embodied way. And each chapter is a process of embodiment and it is accompanied by a subtle body practice. So there is a a deep restructuring within you, not just in the intellectual space, but in the intuitive space and in the lived action space and in the heart space that actualizes non-binary worldview. Okay, cool. So full disclosure, it I was writing this book for about three and a half years, which means that for about three years, it was in private and in private a lot. And that's a really beautiful thing when you can have extreme containment in your inner body and you don't need external validation to say, is this a good idea? Is this something I should work on? Is it worthy? I can honestly say there was this deep driving desire within me. You know, I'm very informed about my natal chart as an astrologer, and I knew that actualizing this Gemini and Virgo speech was something that I really needed to 100% commit to. And it took the form of a book, and it will take the form of many other books or written manuscripts or written word. So I really just set off on that path saying, you know, where do you see the most suffering in the hundreds of people that you've read charts for? 
or the thousands of students that have come through the doors of your previous previous yoga studios? Where do you see separation in the new age spiritual movement? Where do you see um, this condensing of knowledge that actually makes new age spirituality a bit false and very um, misleading, right? Where is there abuse of power? That was something that was very interesting to me. Hierarchical structures are... I think the demise of critical thinking and really the demise of contemplative living. And so I really wanted to look at hierarchy in many, many different environments. And most of all, non-binary worldview, right? So non-binary worldview is also my term. And it's really an extrapolation of non-dualism. And I wanted to give a language set to that. I wanted to really have us be able to say, oh, not this, but this, or it's not like that, but you know what I mean. You know, so I set out on this intense Virgo organization process of, I need this to be a constructive method. So in part of, you know, in the larger scope of contemplative thinking, critique or didactic dialogue, which is a word I prefer much more, where it's a bit of a debate between, you know, what's real and what's not real. What are the facts? What is reality? You know, how can we get down to the simple nuts and bolts of what's actually occurring in front of us is an ancient Buddhist technique of teaching, actually, where a student and a teacher would engage in this didactic dialogue, meaning we're not really sure what's true, but we're going to come to some sort of dynamic conclusion together. And I think that's something that's really been lost in the New Age spiritual world as our cisnormative heteropatriarchy is so hierarchical in nature and our modern culture is so hierarchical in nature. I mean, just the snap judgments that we have right out of the gate, the, all the thoughts we hear in our minds, we're always categorizing and we're categorizing value or perceived value, I prefer to term it, in relationship to hierarchy or like a perceived value rubric. And there's not a lot of spiritual teachings nowadays or really authentic spiritual community that isn't based on hierarchy. And we obviously have all seen the money, sex, power, abuse, manipulation, and, you know, really sort of deep trauma bonding that's happened around New Age spirituality. And that's just been unfolding in the last 10 years. And we've done a few other podcasts on that. And so how do you build an actual egalitarian non-binary language set that in increases contemplation and increases didactic dialogue and breaks down hierarchy. And that was one of the missions I set out to accomplish inside the pages of Transitory Nature, Breaking Binaries for Integrated Being. So I picked the nine binaries and I let them build on each other sequentially. And actually chapter three was the first chapter I wrote, which is Breaking the Masculine Feminine Binary, Body as Vehicle, the Non-Binary Archetype. And then the second chapter I wrote was Pranic Economy, Lack and Abundance. Because in the last five years in particular, especially with spiritual materialism, it was getting rebranded in all these funny ways. I, I don't really like to call yoga in the West lineages, but brands per se, because we're really sort of appropriating and then rebranding and adding a different sort of cultural tinges on all these different ideas and the way that we sell them essentially. 
And lack and abundance was something I saw just explode. Abundance trainings, abundance mindset, law of attraction, the manifestation teachings, right? These are all buzzwords that have done nothing but increased in popularity in the last five years. So much so that they're entering my connected spirit space or my astrology space. So I really was able to use a lot of the work that I do behind the scenes as sort of a legs on the ground testing moment of what is coming into the space. What are people asking me questions about? What are they interested in within their own natal charts? And abundance, abundance, abundance was constantly coming up all the time. And as a entrepreneur, and I have been for a long time, it was a very interesting discussion to talk about abundance from this particular lack-based mindset all of the time. And inside transitory nature, I call it lack-based abundance. So did we really create abundance if we're extracting resources and attention from other groups of peoples, other cultures, and the earth itself? You know, there's this perceived idea that you can continually grow and you can accumulate wealth and your business can grow. And that's what's being sold inside the abundance mindset. And I understand why it's shiny and sellable is that there is no end to this growth and that you can make six figures and the, the unregulated coaching industry has just freaking tripled. I mean, it's been quite interesting to watch, you know, maybe five years ago, when I was teaching a lot of integrative therapy, the word coach just didn't exist. And so watching this sort of amalgamation of wellness, yoga, new age spirituality, and the coaching industry explode, and then all these programs to create abundance. And then people I know teaching programs that are in debt, and they're teaching abundance programs, and this public sort of veneer that's on the idea of abundance was something that I really, really wanted to deconstruct inside pranic economy. And really put forth that there has to be a degrowth period in your creative process and that the creative process, and that doesn't just mean writing a book or painting a painting or creating a product, literally the way that you use and circulate life force, the way that you use and circulate prana, there's going to need to be a decline phase, better yet a death phase, a decline, erosion, decay, death phase. And that's the only way to really see sustainability or regeneration is that, you know, growth comes out of that compost and that happens in your creative life, that happens in your bank account, that happens in your relationships and abundance mindset, you know, what a facade, what a veneer, right? We all have different access and different privileges. And I wanted to make sure and look at those things inside the wellness industry as well you know, race, beauty standards, um, socioeconomic access, education, right? All of those things either prevent us or give us access to this quote unquote abundance mindset, which I'm, that's the last time I'm going to say those words. <laughs> 
And within pranic economy, I wanted us to understand non-renewable resources inside our own usage in a material way and inside our own usage in an energetic way, because our attention and our life force is also non-renewable, right? We only have so much of it. And if we're really connected to the fact that our life is transient, then we really start to use resources differently, physical, energetic, or capital. So, you know, that was one thing that was very important to me in Transitory Nature to rewrite and that degrowth is actually a beautiful phase. So when I say degrowth, it actually means strategies that contribute to a social metabolism, meaning that we are cognizant of the things that are extraneous, extractive, wasting time, wasting money, hurting populations, hurting ecosystems. And that we're aware of that. We have a social conscience around that. And there's, you know, environmental justice tenants within that social metabolism. There's respect for other humans on the earth inside that social metabolism. And that the degrowth period, when we're saying, oh, actually, I would like to use less resources. I would like to make less money. How do I accommodate that degrowth? That means I have more time to be in the gestation period so that I'm building, building, building pranic resources to create in the future. So in Transitory Nature, I actually use the book itself as an example that in the build period, I have to come to terms with the fact that my identity will change when it has a life. That, you know, being a writer writing her book, right, that will have to change as it comes into its public form. And that after that, I'm going to be kind of tapped, right? Like I, I'd spent three years writing and I spent 10 years creating it really. So I need a moment to be in the degrowth decay period. And that is actually a very valiant, valuable thing. And to shift the perception of value as I'm distributing resources, I'm distributing information, and I'm also in a degrowth period that those two things can happen simultaneously and that that is you know, tremendously sustainable in the long run for the sharing and swapping of resources themselves, but also for my non-renewable life force. So at the end of Pranic Economy, there's a series of questions that takes you all the way from the material to the most ethereal to really start embodying the value around non-renewable resources and how to protect them, share them, and cultivate them within yourself and then actually in a material way, earth as well, so we can start to step away from our addiction and dependence on extractive capitalism and we don't you know, project our value outward as if I need and when I get, I become Right? We don't need to project our value outward anymore like that into a consumer mindset. And instead, we're valuing our non-renewable resources that are really like you know, the plant growing out of the concrete that can make extreme change and magic in ways when we value our non-renewable resources. So the way that that looks in a less esoteric way is... After the launch period of the book and putting it out into the world, I knew that I was going to need a rest period and that, you know, 
12 months from now, this is very important to a creative identity that you're a different person, right? It's very important to a yogic identity and to living a contemplative life. And so as your practice is evolving and the way that you're sharing energy is evolving, that means the things that you're working on and the things that you're putting out into the world are also evolving. And so I needed a, a quiet period and I'm going to continue to need a quiet period so that I can go back into a growth period, a creative growth period and really understand what that iteration looks like. And it will look different than transitory nature. And it's my job to make sure in my contemplative life that I have a lot of room to breathe in that degrowth period and then regeneration period. And so oftentimes, right, you're on the PR hustle or the, oh, what's next? Or, oh, you must be so excited that the book's out in the world. And just all the typical sort of consumer questions of what goes along with running a business and putting a product out into the world. You know, and I was just on a call the other day with sort of a mutual friend, but potential business contact. And they were like, what are you working on? And I was like, honestly, I'm working on rest and play. And that means that there's so much deprogramming happening around the success of a project or the sales metrics or the P&L statements, right? There's so much deprogramming around that of what are my personal metrics of success that are attached to my non-renewable resources and their usage in an appropriate way that feels fluid for me, right? So that's the metric that really is sustainable in the long run. And most people don't really know how to respond to that when they're like, what do you mean? Like, aren't you promoting it? Or are you writing another one? Are you going to write a sequel? Are you writing a course around it? You know, the questions are endless. And if I'm honest and I want to live inside the ethic of the book that I wrote, then a degrowth period is necessary. And that means regeneration, rejuvenation, rest, and play. And I say play because imagination, again, I say this quite a lot in the book, but creativity is one of our greatest resources, imagination. I need to be able to flex that and to not be limited by things that I wrote or did in the past. And so this in itself becomes a waking life meditation of continually allowing your creative essence to evolve. And I personally think that really happens in rest and play the growth of your imagination. Okay, so before I jump off of chapter four, right, each chapter has a myth debunking section. So I just thought I would read those myths quickly so that you understand what's under going to be debunked inside pranic economy. So the more is better myth The law of attraction myth, <laughs> which I had to debunk, right? So keep in mind, I was writing this maybe two years ago because I really was seeing so much weaponization, oppression, ignorance, and yuckiness of if I think it, it will manifest, right? Or if I think it, it will come towards me. And really seeing a lot of destruction inside people I was working with. Like I have this money mantra, but money doesn't seem to be coming to me. 
you know, and then we get down into the real root deprivation, root chakra stuff. And it's like, wait, who's balancing your bank account? Who do you, are you looking at what's going out? Like, I'm almost embarrassed to say out loud, right? Sometimes these are conversations that I have inside natal chart readings of here are your elevated aspects and your lower vibrating aspects around how we're moving energy, right? Managing money. These are things that, uh, that law of attraction actually has us turn our back to things that we aren't seeing in it with an ethical lens. So that had to be a myth in pranic economy that I needed to debunk. And then finally the manifestation myth and really talking about karma and the understanding of how manifestation became like an extrapolation and a misappropriation of ancient teachings, ancient Eastern philosophical teachings. actually gotten a lot of really good feedback about pranic economy and the earthly and human resources report which is the breaking the binary section that you can really work through or work through on the online book club and community because it will bring up a tremendous amount of oh shit <laughs> I can't believe that that was so messy or plaguing me so much or sneaking up on me in the way that I regulate my own pranic field Okay, great. So moving on to chapter five, right? Hustle flow, elevated capacity. This one was really fun to write. I took a little bit more of a creative approach in the self-inquiry section, and they are sort of these creative writing pieces where you look back into your past and you look at the programming around work that came from your family unit, your educational systems, or really just sort of the temperature of how you were socialized inside your immediate programming as a child, a young adult, or in your early 20s or in your mid-40s, it doesn't really matter, but really the climate of which um, work was programmed into you, the ideas around work. And that's such a we use that word for so many things now. Do the work. Do the inner work. Here's what I do for work. Oh, what do you do for work? <laughs> but essentially, the way that you survive inside, inside an extractive capitalist economy, global economy. And hustle, right? Burnout and hustle was something that I was hearing about for years coming through the Connect to Spirit space, my teacher trainings, the Live Lightly community, and natal chart readings. And this idea, the anecdote that most New Age spiritual, spiritual people just throw in there was like, I just got to go with the flow or I just got to let it go. And there's a certain tone in there when those two things actually do not create awareness or change inside your interactions. They're really a moment of spiritual bypassing when you say, oh, I just got to go with the flow or, oh, I just got to let it go on top of all of the programming that we're unwilling to look at, really get in there and use our life as a teaching itself for where we might be misperceiving and hustle is one of them, especially inside the yoga teacher space or the entrepreneurial space, right? Everybody wants to run an online successful business or have a huge following or teach, you know, everyone's a huge word, but it seems to be the overall mission of the industry. And that was something I really started looking at 
probably five to seven years ago when I was caught up in the teacher training game and that was how I was making ends meet and I was really looking at the quality of student, the quality of contemplation, the quality of teachings descend because it was getting wrapped up into this capitalistic model of this is the way that we make money in this industry is train more teachers. And so I decided to step away from that experiment altogether and really start looking at, okay, what is the programming of hustle? What is misaligned hustle? Why do we feel like we evaluate our own purpose, our own worth based on the work? Work equals the way that we tread water inside an extractive capitalist system. And I just decided, fuck that. I think I'll sink. I think I'll choose the option to sink instead of continuing to try to tread water. And the misaligned hustle in particular, man, it can come out in so many different ways. And I give a lot of examples of that in transitory nature, right? Overworking out, overworking, there's this high level of anxiety. You know, we were all joking the other day, Instagram and Facebook went down and it's funny. Everyone's like, snow day, snow day. Oh my God, I'm off, I'm off. But just this inner need to always be on the hamster wheel and as, and as if that one is going to create, using hashtag or air quotes here, abundance out in the world. And that there's this very linear idea of how to work hard and get what we want. And, you know, as I got deeper and deeper into my meditation practice, it just didn't seem to line up that pushing my physical body in such an intense way to keep up with the misaligned hustle was going to create some sort of sustainable state of happiness on the other side. Year in and year out, early on in my early 20s, I just did not feel like the proper equation. Right, so I really wanted to examine flow state which is the term that I'm using to say it's not hustle, it's not flow, it's elevated capacity. It's an understanding of right action, uh, proper energy use, and intuitive efficiency, right? So intuitive is also another buzzword in New Age spirituality that we're just hearing all of the time that really has lost a lot of its uh, weight or definition because we're just spreading it so thin and using it in all these places. And as you become more connected to your contemplative life, the processing mechanism becomes more efficient of what is in alignment for your particular natal blueprint. Hence, how can I use energy properly to run prana through the skill set of my natal blueprint? That's something that's discussed in chapter eight in Transitory Nature. But first, we have to understand why we're constantly I, I actually like to use these words. Why am I whoring myself out? Why am I actually pimping out my skill? Why am I selling my skill constantly? Why do I feel like I have to be engaged in the misaligned hustle from the moment that I wake up to the moment that I go to bed? Right? How did that get deeply wired into my um, inner view of self and my outer view of reality? Where did I pick that up from? Where is it stemming from in my parental relationships that I had or in the educational system that I was brought up in or in the hierarchical systems of work harder to get what you want. And then burnout's just a huge, huge discussion. And I was actually, someone was pitching an article to me earlier on this year when I was doing some PR for Transitory Nature of 
What do you think about a career nap? Could you write an article on a career nap and burnout? And I actually said, no, you know, that that doesn't seem like a good proper use of energy. I'd love to describe elevated capacity because we want to build a life in which we are using our energy properly. We can be happy when we're in the degrowth period and we can be happy when we're in the growth period and that we understand balance is dynamic and it can recalibrate to how we're using energy appropriately. And that's when intuition of what the next idea is or how to be on the pulse of the collective we can hear that when we're using energy properly and we're not trying to constantly do this escapism from our taxed life or our overworked life or our burnt out life. And so it was just not an article I could write authentically, you know, given the ethics of transitory nature. Flow state itself is not static, right? So sometimes it's going to be an extreme play and extreme work. The thing that you understand that it's working <laughs> is that there is this uh, since, like appetite within you, the zeal within you that you organize all of your life to support that priority. And you know you're going to do that for a period of time. And it's not going to be static and it's not going to be for forever. But when that goes into a death cycle, then we understand that we're going to have proper energy use in a different formulation, in a different structure. Our days will be organized differently. Right? This is very, very applicable to the entrepreneurial life and understanding how to step out of misaligned hustle so that you don't move towards burnout and that you can really celebrate the different phases of creation that you're in, and that that value comes from your own inner metrics, not from outside validation. And, you know, that's not always perfect, perfect, right? But that's, that's the spiritual practice right there, is when you bounce up against moments when you're like, oh, I should be doing you know, and I know it's cliche nowadays to say drop all the shoulds, and I understand that. The should, though, is going to tell you what's pushing you towards misaligned hustle. So I'm not saying we should drop them all. I'm, I really think we should listen to them deeply, like I should be doing, or why is this not working? Everybody else is doing. I should go and do that. When I hear those types of things run through my mind, I'm like, whoa, Sue, okay, amazing. This is how you're programmed to tread water inside extractive capitalism. Let's really listen to it. Because if we want to create a different current in your inner being and the things that you put out into the world, we need to know what not to do. <laughs> and we really need to be an expert on what not to do. So all of that is deep, deep, deep intel to how we stay so attached to the misaligned hustle. The subtle body practice for breaking the hustle flow binary is short and sweet. And that's so nice. That's something that I often discuss a lot behind closed doors with the people that I work with is that duration is not always valuable. It's potency that's really valuable. So deep attention and that it, you see changes in your behavior in the world around you, the way that you're relating to stimulus that's how we know that a contemplative practice is actually working. Your relation to stimulus is changing and your response is changing. 
that will also give you a much clearer picture on proper energy use and intuitive efficiency. Okay. So we're starting to see the words binary thinking just popping up everywhere. Part of me is like, woohoo, like finally we can see the underlying consciousness structure of conflict. It doesn't really matter what the binary is. If we set two opposing opposites against each other without any nuance, it's going to create conflict, inner conflict or conflict with a perceived other. Right, so I'm very happy that that is rising to the surface of the mainstream to a degree. You know, I think that there's thousands and thousands of different binary structures, and the nine that I picked are really going to get the, at the heart of how we build our inner identities and why that's creating conflict with things that exist around us. Because to create change or to overthrow a system or to debunk a myth or to rewrite the paradigm, right? that doesn't have to be done with a push mentality. That actually has to be done with this sort of calculated disintegration that we start thinking and behaving differently. right? How often do you even argue in your own inner system and realize that 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 isn't actually catalyzing change or new thought or progression. And that was very important to me in this book, that critique is valuable, right? But actually a new paradigm is even more valuable. <laughs> and we can just say, yes, there's a problem here, or extractive capitalism sucks, or capitalism is the worst, or this is, the, this is all because of capitalism. And I really wanted to look at how I was hearing that so deeply arise in some of the counterculture statements happening. And okay, great, I totally agree with you. But then what is the constructive method to develop a new mode of consciousness, a new mode of behavior, a new mode of connection, right? Those are things that are our next steps and are part of the spiritual path. And, you know, construction is, comes out of deconstruction. So I wrote Transitory Nature as a constructive manuscript or consciousness design process to all of the deconstructing that's happening around us, especially in America's Pluto return and in the death cycles. That is really something we don't consider very deeply. And considering your own death cycle and allowing that degrowth period and you'll be amazed at sort of the social consciousness that arises within you if you're willing to submit to that degrowth period and things have to change your behavior has to change so much in that degrowth period you've got to spend less you've got to work less you've got to consume less right those are all deeply transformative practices in your own intimate spiritual life right? And in a world that's based on material consumerism, right? Those things are re deeply restructuring, deeply transformative. Okay. So, so many of you have reached out to me via direct message, and I usually try to respond to almost all of them you know, personal connection is one of the reasons that I write. 
you know, deeply being in the intimate process of your transformation is one of the reasons that I write. And specifically transitory nature, breaking binaries for integrated being, right? I didn't write it for me at all. I actually put myself in so many different shoes, hundreds of difference of people's shoes, deeply listening to their suffering, to their conflict, to their um, inner misperception and codified a process of non-binary worldview. You know, I really felt like it was a constructive gift to whatever we're going to become. You know, I'm not one for hypothesizing in that direction because I'd rather really just be with the process of change. And it did feel like a gift, you know, something that came through really my Virgo ascendant channeling through my Merc- um, Gemini midheaven and saying, okay, how do I put this into language so that many people can, you know, sort of link in and really share their consciousness growth process with each other and with the world and make some deep, deep, deep restructuring and change on a very, very fundamental soul level. So, you know, Dan and I are co-authoring a second book together and that will be out in February of 2022. And hint, hint, it's on psychedelics and it will be a very, very, very tactful um, organizational piece on psychedelics. More on that to come. And then I've already started working on book three, which will be much more earth consciousness focused, you know, Transitory nature came out of the last 10 years of studying human consciousness and the iterations of identity, right, through many different um, philosophical lenses. And that was really what lit me up, right, through undergrad and grad and all my professional work out in the world and leaving jobs and switching states and switching my lifestyle and all of those things, very human consciousness focused. And then the third one, I think will be much more earth consciousness focused, right from the perspective of earth. And it's shaping up to be quite guttural and intense. And so that will be a gestation period really that I'm just entering. And there'll be inklings of it here and there, but I won't put too much of it out in public really for a while. And I'll continue to work on that. I think that's important. And maybe really where to wrap up is that there is no particular length to a birth, life, and death cycle. And that's really regulated by how you run prana and how you use your non-renewable resources in a productive and sustainable and regenerative way for yourself. Your natal chart can inform so much of how those birth, life, and death processes work for you. And sometimes they're three months, three days, three years, 30 years, right? So it's how to really use energy properly throughout those processes to see them come to their full circle moment and then allow you to start another one. Okay, great. So solo cast, you just sort of roll with it, whatever arises. I'm 100% open to questions or thoughts. You know, I didn't turn this into an entrepreneurial podcast. If you have any particular questions, you know, about the entrepreneurial space, you know, I'd be happy to do other talks on that or other solo casts or, 
or conversations with Dan, which might be quite interesting considering that we're both organized so differently, but complementary in certain energetic ways. And there's very a lot of tactful information and action-oriented living heart action is really the sec- section I was discussing today, which is pranic economy, elevated capacity, and then chapter six, integrated being, breaking the root crown binary. And a lot of tactful practices and out in the world practices is often what I call them. So they're off the cushion and it's a waking life meditation or living ethics or a living contemplation out in your life. And many suggestions in those three chapters in transitory nature to bring some of these degrowth strategies, pranic economy, um, proper use, intuitive efficiency, right? really actualizing that in your own lived skill set and the way that you um, put your dharma out into the world. Okay, open for all comments and questions. Thank you so much for tuning in to this week's Live Lightly podcast, and we'll talk with you soon. Bye. Thank you for listening to the Live Lightly podcast. If you loved this episode, please download and subscribe. Please leave us a review. We would love to hear from you and your main takeaways from this episode. Tag us on Instagram and Facebook at LiveLightly underscore. We will then reshare your takeaways and insights. We love bringing you these in-depth conversations. Please remember the suggestions of our guests and hosts are for informational purposes only and should not be taken as actionable advice. This podcast is a resource for general information and education only. Live Lightly is not liable for your decisions to implement information from this podcast.